Sounds right. good, man. Here we go. Three, two, and one. And it's time for the golf club. The golf club, of course, brought to you by Tito's Handmade Vodka, America's original craft vodka. Visit them today at titosvodka.com. Always a pleasure to bring in from across the pond, Bob Herrick from ESPN.com. Bob, how are you? Good. Randy, thanks. How are you doing? Uh, doing great. And there, there's so much to get to, Bob. Um, you know, of course, the Open Champion. Bob, let me ask you, is it, is it the British Open? Because I saw Phil Mickelson tweeting out that he's going to call it the British Open, or is it the Open Championship? I, n- I never know what to call it. Yeah, listen, if you call it the British Open over here, you get looked at funny. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, you know, like it's not really in the official name. I think it's become uh, sort of an easy way out. So for us to distinguish between it and the and the U.S. Open, but, I mean, their branding is the Open or the Open Championship. And uh, I'm not really sure where British Open came in, although, it's, as Mickelson pointed out, it goes way back. Right. Like, people have referred to it that way for over 100 years. Right. But it's it's not really proper. Like, some people over here will call it the U.S. Masters or the U.S. PGA Championship because they have other events with those names. And I think we would think that's pretty ridiculous. There's only one Masters. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the PGA Championship is the major that's, you know, run by the PGA of America. You know, so... Um, it uh, you know so I guess it works both ways. So so before we get to uh, to the Open Championship, I wanted to discuss real quickly with you what happened uh, last weekend on both the Champions Tour and uh, on the PGA Tour. Lucas Glover wins for the first time like in over ten years. Uh, wasn't obviously a great field, but uh, still, I mean, a guy like Lucas Glover who won the U.S. Open and you know seems tee to green. Bob, he's always you know can hit the ball really well, but then uh, had issues putting maybe. But I, I, that's a great, great story for Lucas Glover to, to, to get to finally get another W. Yeah, and you're right. He's he's just plagued by by putting. Um, I think we all wish we could have that as our as our weakness and be able to hit the ball like they do, you know. And, yeah. and yet he hits it so great, and and you sometimes you just watch and you cringe. You know, it's some of the short putts that he misses and, and has throughout his career. Uh, and, you know, we've kind of had this now. Uh, 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 had a few players who've gone long lengths of time without winning, like Stuart Sink and, you know, uh, uh, who was it, I think, Schwartzel. Um, you know, like we've had some guys that that have gone long periods between wins and, uh, so I think it's kind of neat, you know, to see that. And, and, and Lucas is a great guy, a great player. And um, I think it's a great example. You know, sometimes you wonder why guys keep hanging in, right? Well, he found it and, uh, and was rewarded. He was. And, um, you know, as I mentioned before, the field wasn't great. But, Bob, did Lucas Glover, is he going to play the Open? Because I know uh, like Kevin Knott declined to play. Uh, is, did Lucas Glover make the trip over? Uh, yes, he did. He was in the field already, oh, I was. believe. Okay. Yeah. So, so his win, um, his win uh, didn't get him in, and so they actually went down to uh, Ryan Moore, who tied for second. They were going to take the top player in the top five, I believe, not otherwise exempt, and Ryan Ryan Moore declined. So, uh, and so then nobody else, 
was was qualified or was already in, so they didn't take anybody from the John Deere um, from that exemption. So had a lot of withdrawals and opt-outs in this tournament, you know, for for all kinds of reasons. But obviously, the protocols are a big part of it. So uh, if if I if I read this correctly, Zach Johnson was on his way over, right? And test and you have to test before you even get on the plane. And he tested positive for the coronavirus, correct? So he's not going. That's right. He, he and and thankfully, he they they didn't put anybody on the plane before they got the results, because if he would have come over here and tested, and they were required to test over here too, um, and had been positive, pretty much a good bet that all those guys on the plane would not have been allowed to play. That's a much, much stricter rule than they faced on the PGA Tour, where if you're in close contact, you're allowed to play as long as you continue to test negative and you, you're required to test every day. And then they don't, they don't let you um, go in the clubhouse or the locker room or any indoor areas, so the, and even scoring. Uh, and that's what happened to Rahm at the memorial. He, he, he was in close contact with someone who had COVID, and got there Monday of tournament week and was negative all week until Saturday. But in, 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 if that scenario had been in place, he would have never be, even been allowed to compete. He would have been taken out immediately. So you were looking at like 15 guys coming out of that tournament, out of the tournament on that charter, if if Zach had gotten on there and then tested positive over here. So uh, they sort of averted disaster there. Bob, uh, take me through what you had to go through. To get over the design, I understand it's it's as you mentioned, it's a little different than a PGA Tour stop. How how difficult and how trying was it uh, to get through all the protocols to now be over at the Open Championship? Yeah, well, for me, you know, for for most lowly media, we were not exempt from from any kind of quarantine. The players are exempt from that. They've been allowed to come into the country. The players, the caddies, and and two other people with the with their team, but not. So the rule, the, the president, and I believe this is going to change next month, but the president comes from an amber country, which is the U.S. at the moment, it's not green, is required to quarantine for 10 days. But now you can get out of the quarantine after five days if you get a negative full PCR COVID test on day five. So I got over here last week, Tuesday, and I had to take a day two test that I sent back to them. The day five test, they came to me, had the result later in the day. That meant I was good to go. Um, And I actually stayed near London, and that's about two hours from here. So I drove down um, Sunday after I was cleared. And then I've got to take another, there's an eight-day test that's required, too, that you self-administer and you you, you mail off to them. And you can't blow it off. It's against the law. I mean, if they come after you, um, you know, it's a pretty hefty fine. And, um, you know, uh, and then I've got to test again for the airlines before I go back. So it's, uh, you know, it's. There's a lot of hassles right now associated with this. The players are dealing with it on a different level. They're not allowed to go out anywhere. They can't go to restaurants, bars, grocery stores. They have to go golf course, hotel, golf course, golf course, you know, rental place, golf course. That's it. That's all they can do. They've got to have all their meals either delivered or, you know, 
brought you know brought to them or they they've brought it with them uh so you know that's that's tough that's uh that's not what they're used to you know really it's never been that way on the pga tour even the first events back last june they were allowed to go places to get food and bring it back they were allowed to go to a grocery store and go shopping um so it's 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 very restrictive and uh you know, you just hope that nobody breaks it and, and we have a big story where somebody gets bounced because of it. So, Bob, are they, because I know sometimes uh, the golfers, PGA players like to stay in residence, rent a house out for a week. So they are, they all require they have to stay in hotels for this? They could, there's, there's a couple of designated hotels that they could stay in where they're allowed to rent houses or, you know, accommodations that had to be vetted by the RNA. And the rules is no more than four to that. Maybe their coach, uh, you know, or trainer, a manager, or whatever, four people. And so, you know, typically, I'm guessing the players picking up the tab on this stuff. But typically, the caddies would share accommodations to save money. Well, they're not allowed to do that this time. You're not allowed to be with somebody outside of your group. So, um you know, it's it's a little odd. You know, we've gotten used to things loosening up at home, and uh, and here they're they're just not quite ready to do that yet. Uh, Bob, you mentioned caddy, and uh, Bryson DeChambeau has a new caddy, and it was kind of a big to do when he, before the start of the I can't remember which tournament it was uh, that he let go of his caddy, and then he didn't make the cut, uh, and now it's a uh, it's someone from the club he belongs to, I think, back in Dallas who is now his caddy. Was that a big story um, on the tour that, that Bryson DeChambeau, uh, which he, I guess he said he was grooming this guy for a while to take over, right? Yeah, I, I don't know how much that is true or not. I mean, I think maybe he might have had his eye on him, his, his former caddy, uh, Tim Tucker. Um, who knows what the exact reasons are, but everybody, anybody who's watched Bryson knows that he's high-maintenance. He's, he's not an easy guy to work for. And I don't mean to say that he's mean or he's condescending. It's just that it's long days and a lot of intricacies in caddying for him. You know, all the yardage books, the, the track man stuff, all the science that goes into, you know, the, the amount of time he spends practicing. You know, he expects his caddy to be there helping him. And it's a grind, you know, and his caddy's got some physical issues with his knees. I, I think that might have played into it. I think, you know, sort of working for somebody that, that you know, let's be honest, it probably got on his nerves. You know, Bryson's tough. He's probably tough to, to deal with in that environment all the time. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's going to probably make a lot of money and you're willing to walk away from that, I think suggests that it was just too much. And he felt like, I, I, I need to get out of this. I mean, the timing of it suggests that it wasn't that mutual. You know, why would you show up in Detroit, caddy the practice rounds and the pro-am, and then on Wednesday night before the tournament's about to start, say you're going to bail uh, or you say you're splitting up? I mean, it means that Bryson has to find somebody else at the last second. Nobody would want that. You do, wouldn't you work through the weekend and then quit? Or then split up, say, hey, this will be our last tournament. I mean, the fact that they didn't do that is it kind of suggests that there was some friction. And yet, you know, they're trying to keep a, a, a good face about it. I, you know, I, I'm sure they have immense respect for each other and they don't want it to deteriorate. But clearly, 
that wasn't a good situation. And now, you know, Bryson's going into a major with a new guy. And for someone who relies on a caddy a lot and seems to put a lot of stock in what he says and how he helps them, you know, it'll be interesting to see how much that matters. Uh, before we get to uh, specifics about the Open Championship this week, I just want to go back. I mentioned the Champions Tour. They had their U.S. Senior Open, and uh, Jim Furyk won it. He won back, I think, in 2003 at Olympia Fields, a course not far from here. And, uh, you know, I don't think enough is made, Bob, of how, what a great career Jim Furyk's had. I think he, this is his third or fourth win on the Champions Tour, and I believe he's like third or fourth all-time on the money list on the PGA Tour in like when you mention the great golfers, like his name usually doesn't come up, but boy, he's had a great career. He sure has. I mean, what he's won sixteen or seventeen times, has a major that U.S. Open you mentioned, um, has the lowest round in PGA Tour history of fifty-eight at the Traveler right. in two thousand and sixteen. Um, you know, just incredibly consistent and played well through his forties. A lot of Ryder Cup teams. Um, unfortunately for him, he's got one of the worst Ryder Cup records in U.S. history. But, of course, Tiger and Phil are right with him. But, you know, I think that's just a mark of the times. You know, the U.S. lost a lot, and he was on all those teams. He was a Ryder Cup captain that lost. Um, but he's, yeah, you're right. I think his career, you know, when you when you sit there and compare it to others, it's pretty darn good. And, and look, he might get in the Hall of Fame one day because of it. The, you know, the way the way that is going a guy with that many wins who's, who's won a major uh, who, and who's, who's been a big factor in Ryder Cups gets a lot of consideration. I was going to ask you, so he's not in the Hall of Fame yet? No, he's not. No. Interesting. Uh, all right, so let's get to the Open Championship this weekend. Um, it's obviously there's a great field. Bubba Watson's not playing. He had to withdraw. Hideki Matsuyama, the Masters winner, won't be there as well. But still some great, great names. Tell me a little about Royal St. George's. Where, where, who, who does it favor? I know Darren Clark won it in 2011 the last time I was there, but like, what kind of golfer will flourish in, on, this, uh, on this course, Bob? I think the one who, who kind of just deals with all the, you know, all the bad breaks, because this is the one course that they talk about the most for how – it doesn't always reward a straight tee shot because there's so many bumps and mounds and pumps and whatever you want to call them in these fairways. And you have to really, really be sort of precise as to where you land it. And so like hitting driver, uh, you could hit a 350 yard straight drive. Maybe Bryson would do that, but the landing area has a bunch of humps and mounds and the ball's going to kick off into the rough. And that really grates on these guys when they hit a perfect shot and it's not rewarded. But you, that's where knowing where to hit it short of it or hit it beyond it is really important. And that takes some time to figure that out, you know. Um, and they don't always have that amount of time at a tournament like this that, you know, where they haven't played the venue much. So I think guys who deal with that the best um, because they're just going to get bad breaks. It's just inevitable. They're going to hit a great tee shot and it's going to be in the rough. And instead of having, you know, a, a, a good shot at knocking it close, they're, they're going to be struggling to make a par. And uh, that gets on guys' nerves sometimes. And the ones who deal with, with, deal with it the best are probably best suited to, to withstand the week, you know. And, and look, that could be anybody because typically length isn't a big factor at the open. 
You know, it's it's a more precision game. You're trying to plot your way around. You have to run shots up onto greens. Like brute strength and length is always going to be an advantage, but it doesn't quite matter as much. You know, you can because, like I was saying, sometimes you really absolutely have to lay back, or you're really putting luck in play. So, Bob, uh, in the past, I, I just remember in the past, and I think it. He also won on this course, but. I feel like maybe the Open Championship and maybe the PGA Championship cater to guys who get their one shot, like Y.E. Yang won at the PGA Championship. Ben Curtis, I believe, won on this course as well. And then I think the next year, Todd Hamilton won the Open Championship. So could I say it's crazy to think like a long shot could, could really contend and maybe even win this week? I don't think that's out of the question at all for the reasons you said. I mean, now look, when when Ben Curtis won, he hung on for dear life, and he had Tiger, Davis Love, DJ, Thomas Bjorn chasing him. You know, Thomas Bjorn really kind of lost that tournament. He bogeyed two of the last three, and Curtis was there to take advantage. Playing in his first major ever, by the way. He had never played Lincoln Amazing. Golf either pretty remarkable and you mentioned you know todd hamilton kind of the same thing you know he he beat ernie ells in a playoff phil was one shot out of that playoff so i mean it's good players were in the mix and these sort of nobodies came through and you know it wasn't that long ago in 2015 uh, at st andrews there was an amateur uh leading through 54 holes people forget that an amateur now he he blew up on the last day but you know, it, it does sort of lend itself to more randomness, I think, uh, because, again, I, I, I sometimes think the, the, the skills, you know, that we see in precision golf on the PGA Tour aren't as necessary. Uh, you know, in Lynx golf, you can run the ball up. There's a lot of pitch and run shots. The greens are slower. I think that, that, um, that typically uh, it, it sort of widens the field. It allows more people uh, a chance because slower greens make it easier to putt, you know? So, right. um, for that reason, you know, in fact, you know, the fairways are fairly wide. If you get a guy who's, you know, getting it in play and getting it on the greens and making a few putts here and there, running it up, you know, you know, bounces it onto the green. It's not the precision game that we're, you know, the ball striking precision game that we're used to seeing. Although look, if it gets windy, you better be hitting it solid or you're going to be in the rough. Uh, so I, I do think it lends itself to more of a, an outsider possibly crashing through. And uh, it's why, you know, like a Tom Watson contended at 59. You know, Darren Clark, I believe, was 43. Phil was 43 when he won the Open at Muirfield. Um, you know, you have, you have all sorts of different shapes and sizes of guys contending at the Open. You know, Bob, it's funny. You just mentioned Tom Watson, and I... Uh, just happened to be going back and saw on Golf Channel David Faraday's interview on his show with Tom Watson, and they they spoke about that that open and, and Tom Watson. It wasn't just like a fluke where he got hot. He said he felt really confident going in because he had played. I, I forgot which course it was, but he had played it so many times, and he knew how to play it exactly. And I mean, he got one bad break on eighteen. If that ball doesn't hit it hard like it did on the green and roll over. Odds are he two putts and he, and he wins the Open Championship, which would have been the greatest achievement in golf, in my opinion, at 59. But, I mean, and then Greg Norman, a couple of years later, had the lead or was in contention. He had the lead, I think, after the first round and was in contention going into the final round. So crazy things seem to happen, right, at the Open Championship. Yeah, you know, Tom Watson, that 
18th hole at Turnberry, you know, his choice into the green was an eight iron or a nine iron. And he chose an eight iron from whatever distance he was. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like what he was hitting, like was way, you know, this thought that it was way, way, way too much club. It was more, well, God, I don't know if I can get a nine there. You know, he kind of landed it maybe just a, a yard or two too long and it didn't stop and it rolled through the green. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's not like he hit a terrible drive and, 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 you know, skanked a second shot up right. there. You no, know, he, he, he bounced an eight iron over the green that was very, very, very minusculely long. And then he had a tough chip and that's kind of, you know, that, that, that was not easy. And of course now the nerves of a 58 year old man trying to make a six, seven footer and, and he didn't, and he didn't make it, but yeah, he played beautifully that whole week, you know, and I think it was the year before that at Burkdale where Norman was in contention through okay. three rounds. He was a 54 hole leader and Padraig won, you know, so we've, we've seen that, you know, we've seen some older guys. It's, it's probably the easiest major to win for the older player. Cause like I was saying before, it's just brute strength and length is not as much of a factor as course knowledge, managing your game, hitting it solid, especially when it's windy. Um, and that's, you know, that was Padraig's game back then too. He was just a great links player and, uh, you know, it takes a different kind of mindset to play this golf. Uh, before I let you go, Bob, uh, a couple of things I want to get to with you real quickly. Dustin Johnson uh, has not been playing great golf. Uh, he did not play last week in the Scottish Open. Um, is his game even close to being ready? I know he's been in contention before the Open Championship, but is, is where is he at right now? Yeah, he probably should have won here 10 years ago. He hit one out of bounds on the 14th hole in the final round. That really hurt him. So, you know, and he's, he's played well at other Opens. I certainly think he's got the game that can do it. The, the question is, is, is it, is he sharp right now? You know, he's like you said, he's not, he's not really been good here lately. Hasn't contended for a while, which is kind of surprising. I think we all keep waiting for him to, to snap out of it, you know, and, and it just hasn't happened. He's not, you know, he missed the cut at the masters and the PGA. He wasn't really a factor at the U S open. And uh, that is really surprising given the way he ended last year and even started this year. Uh, and uh, any update on Tiger Woods? Anything going on at all with him? Or are we still status quo waiting for the next move? Yeah, there has been nothing definitive, nothing but the murmurings. And, you know, the fact that we haven't heard anything for a while makes me a little nervous about it. You know, like if they had good news, wouldn't they want to tell right. us? Right, right. You know, I, look, that's just a guess. I do not know. And, you know, um, I, I, I think we are of, of the mindset that, look, it was going to take a while. And now what we're, we're almost five months since the accident. Yeah. So I don't know if it's too soon to think there should be some knowledge or there should be some, there should be some suggestion that he's on his way. Um, but, um, you know, I, I think a big, a big moment's going to be when we see him walking unaided. And there's a couple of, um, I think there's a couple of markers for us. Like, is Steve Stricker going to make him an assistant captain for the Ryder Cup? If Tiger accepts that, I think that's a good sign because it means he'll have to be in public. Right. If he says no, that can't be good because it doesn't that mean he doesn't want to be in public? Because Tiger certainly loves being part of the Ryder Cup. 
you know, but I can see where he's not going to want anybody to see him if he's laboring or if he has to talk to us, you know. Uh, and so then also he has his um, he has his own events that he hosts in the Bahamas uh, at the end of the year. Now, again, who knows what the situation is going to be with COVID, you know, but, but if that event is played, Tiger would be expected to be there. I mean, not to play in it, but to be there. And uh, so would he be there? And if he is there, he's usually front and center, usually takes media questions. So to me, those are a couple of markers. Like, are we going to see him at the Ryder Cup? If we don't see him there, we're going to see him in the Bahamas. You know, because that's, I think that's important that, that uh, at some point he, he, he tells us what's going on. Right. And the game definitely misses him. Uh, Bob, who, who do you like this week? Uh, who, who do you feel has the best chance to win? Look, I'm not going out on a big limb here, but how do you not like John Rahm? I mean, he's, uh, you know, he played great at the U.S. Open. He played great at the Memorial where, you know, he had a six-shot lead and got bounced from the tournament with that positive COVID test. He was seventh last week at the Scottish Open, so he's come over here, got acclimated, played pretty nice. And, uh, uh, you know, why not? You know, uh, it, it's you, you got to love the fact that his form has been pretty solid all year. Hey, Bob, as usual, this has been fantastic. Thanks for joining us and uh, enjoy uh, your week at the Open Championship. Great. Thanks, Randy. Be well.